tuning in to Microbiome Matters, a podcast for healthcare professionals and researchers brought to you by Yakult Science. This podcast aims to share latest research and insights from experts about the science behind our gut microbiome. Hello, my name is Rafaela and I'm the Science Communications intern at Yakult. And today I'm joined by Dr. Bridget Wilson. Dr. Bridget Wilson is a research and clinical dietitian at King's College London and City Dietitians. She completed an award-winning PhD on the low FODMAP diet and prebiotics in irritable bowel syndrome and ulcerative colitis. Following her PhD, Dr. Wilson continues to conduct research into dietary fiber interventions in functional gut disorders and is working on developing a nutrition screening tool and national guidelines for the dietary management of IBD. In today's podcast episode with Dr. Bridget Wilson, we'll be discussing what dietary fiber and prebiotics are and their impact on the gut microbiota. Hello, Dr. Bridget Wilson. Thank you so much for joining us today on Microbiome Matters. So we often hear a lot about the benefits of dietary fiber for digestion and gut health. But what does this have to do with the gut microbiota? Great. So thank you very much for asking me to come along and talk on this topic. So when we're looking at kind of the effects of dietary fiber and gut microbiota, there's a lot of talk about, you know, fiber is great for the gut. We all need to be eating lots of fiber. But I guess specifically, what is it about dietary fiber that does have that impact on the gut microbiota? So we know that dietary fiber, by definition, is really any plant-based food that we eat, but we cannot digest. So while it might seem silly to kind of eat things, you know, we don't use, but the answer is because we can't digest it, dietary fiber provides a substrate or a food for the gut microbiota. And the majority of the gut microbiota in our body live within the large intestine or the colon. So during the digestive process, food moves from the stomach through into the small intestine. And as it travels through the small intestine, anything that we can absorb will be broken down and become nutrients for us. And that process of digestion from the stomach then through the small intestine, the transit time through the small intestine is three to five hours. So that's where we absorb all of our nutrients. And after that, all of the leftovers enters the colon and that's where the gut microbiota get to work. So anything we've not absorbed, this fiber essentially makes it into the colon where it does feed the gut microbiota. And we know that having a high fiber diet seems to specifically have an impact on the growth and activity of the types of microbiota, such as bifidobacteria and other types of anti-inflammatory microbiota that we want to have more of in the gut. They're associated with better overall general health. They're sort of one of these marker species that if you've got more bifidobacteria within your colonic bacteria, generally it sounds like you have a better microbiome. One of the other benefits of feeding the gut microbiota, it's not just about growing the microbes because that's all well and good, but it's what the microbes do when they've got fiber. So the microbes eat the fiber essentially, and then they produce something called short chain fatty acids as a byproduct of that. And short chain fatty acids are something that are really important for gut health, for our immune function, and also for keeping us protected from pathogens. Having a good level of short chain fatty 
fatty acids produced within the colon means that the pH of the colon will be lower, which helps to exclude pathogens that like a higher pH within the colon. Also, butyrate and propionate can help to regulate intestinal motility. So if there's motility disorders within the colon, such as constipation or diarrhea, then perhaps having more short chain fatty acids can be useful to help regulate that. And that, that's one of the ways that fiber through the microbiota might help specific gut disorders. One of the other benefits as well of short chain fatty acids is that butyrate in particular is anti-inflammatory and it feeds our gut cells. So the primary energy source for our colonic cells is butyrate, which is produced by the gut microbiota in response to a good fiber intake by us. And that butyrate feeds our gut cells, keeps them happy and healthy and keeps them really rigid. So actually butyrate can help contribute to the cell wall integrity and the gut lining integrity altogether. And also butyrate has been shown to be involved in the in a kind of an anti-inflammatory immune process. So having a kind of a beneficial effect on the immune system. So where can we get dietary fiber from within our diet? So as I mentioned previously, dietary fiber, generally it's any type of plant-based food that we cannot digest. So it mostly is consisting of carbohydrate polymers that make up the plant cell walls. So this would include foods like fruit and vegetable, um, pulses, chickpeas, beans, lentils, that kind of thing. Also seeds, grains, so any type of kind of starchy grains, whole grains, that kind of thing, and also nuts. They all provide good sources of fiber for the diet. How much dietary fiber should we be having to have a positive impact on our gut microbiota? So um, with regards to the microbiota, this kind of differs on different studies. In general, the guidance is that we should be aiming for about 30 grams of fiber per day. But if we're looking at intervention studies and how much dietary fiber has been given in an intervention in order to positively impact the gut microbiota, well, some dietary fiber interventions using really specific fibers called prebiotics have used as little as 2.4 grams of prebiotic fiber per day. But that's kind of a bit unusual. Usually most fiber intervention studies use 10 to 15 grams of whatever fiber it is that they're using to supplement in order to positively impact the gut microbiota. But I think it's important here to also discuss that too much of one specific type of fiber might not necessarily be a good thing. So one study that examined a dose effect of increasing three different types of dietary fibers demonstrated that greater than 10 grams of one specific dietary fiber led to an increase in short chain fatty acid production. So we want that. However, a dose of more than 20 grams per day of just one type of fiber, so really high supplementation with just one type of fiber actually reduced gut microbiota diversity and gut microbiota diversity is another one of these things that we definitely are associating with a better state of health so the more diverse your gut microbiome the more resilient it seems to be and the better your general and overall health seems to be so I think that one of the answers to that is to yes have plenty of fiber but get it from a variety of sources rather than just thinking okay I need 30 grams of fiber let me just eat this fiber supplement and, and I'll be fine are there certain types of dietary fiber that have more evidence to suggest they are beneficial for our gut microbiota? 
within the dietary fiber realm these three broad sort of definitions. So we have the soluble fibre, which is the type of fibre that will bind to water and kind of bulk out the stool. There's insoluble fibre, which is more considered sort of the roughage type of fibre, like vegetable peels, kind of the outer coarser grains, like whole grains and that kind of thing are considered insoluble fibre. And then we also have a third classification, which is fermentable fibre, which in some publications call this microbiota accessible fibre, because this is the type of fibre that does feed the gut microbiota and produce short chain fatty acids after the fermentation of that fibre. So generally within the diet, we get these fermentable fibres from things that contain something called fructans. So commonly within the kind of well, the UK diet, but also things that are global diet, onion and garlic are very good sources of fructans. Wheat is another good source of, of fructans and also arabinazylans. Um, and also galacto-oligosaccharides are another quite prevalent source of this kind of fermentable fibres. And these are found in your beans, pulses, chickpeas, but also in things like cashew nuts and pistachio nuts. You briefly touched on prebiotics. Could you explain to us what prebiotics are and how they differ from dietary fibre? So prebiotics are a, more of a specific type of fibre. So the kind of scientific definition of a prebiotic is that they are substrates that are selectively utilised by host microorganisms conferring a health benefit. So prebiotics do work in a similar way to dietary fibre, and technically they are dietary fibre, although not all of them do come from plants. Some of them are sort of manufactured through the use of enzymes on, on sugars. But prebiotics work in a similar way to dietary fibre in that they lead to an increase in bacterial activity and growth. However, the one important difference is that prebiotics are more selective for the certain types of microbes that you're aiming to produce. So you can kind of target what microbes you'd want to produce. And actually, most prebiotics are really targeted to bifidobacteria and lactobacilli rather than just kind of being generally fermented by the whole microbial population. I think originally it's, it was thought that prebiotics were very, very specific, mostly just for bifidobacteria and lactobacilli. However, with kind of advances and sequencing techniques and things like that, what we've realized is that they're not quite as selective as we thought. They do enhance the growth of more than just bifidobacteria. However, they still would be more selective than perhaps other like foods that would contain a various range of different fructans and things like that. Should we all be consuming prebiotics? And if so, where can we get them within our diet? So it might depend really on how you're defining prebiotics for that one, because it's, it's quite popular in the media to refer to any fermentable fibre as a prebiotic. So that includes your things like your wheat and onion and garlic and beans and things like that. And strictly speaking, that, that's not really true. They are fermentable fibres. They are microbiota accessible fibres, but we wouldn't really call those prebiotics because they're not as targeted as what technically a prebiotic is. So if you're talking about prebiotics that have been developed to target the growth of certain microbes, 
This is largely focused on the galacto-oligosaccharide and inulin-type fructin prebiotics, then I would say not everybody needs to take one of those, but anyone who might have a lower bifidobacteria count within the gut might benefit from including one of those in the, in the diet regularly. So this would be people aged over 65 because there's something called immune senescence that happens after the age of 65, where among other changes within the immune system in the gut microbiota, a general decline in bifidobacteria is seen. People who've got irritable bowel syndrome or abdominal pain might also benefit from taking a prebiotic. And also people that are planning to travel to regions where gastroenteritis is a common affliction, because I think, as I mentioned earlier, when you take prebiotics, they increase your short chain fatty acids in the same way that generally dietary fiber does, but they also help to boost your bifidobacteria. And both of those things might be protective against pathogen invasion. So if you're traveling, I know we can't travel very much at the moment, but when things open up again, when you are out there traveling and backpacking around the world, then it might be useful to take a prebiotic when doing that as well. Are there any key studies looking at fiber and or prebiotics that you would recommend people taking the time to read for more information? For really key studies, there is from February this year, a review on the properties of different fibers and also the way in which fiber can be used in different gut disorders. And that was from Kevin Whelan's research group and that's published in Nature. So that's a great review. I also if you're interested in functional gut disorders and prebiotics and whether or not they should be recommended for that, then I published a systematic review and meta-analysis on this in 2019. And for evidence on general health and the general health benefits of fibre, then the 2019 series of systematic reviews and meta-analyses that was published in The Lancet, and that's from Reynolds et al. That's a great resource. That's where the kind of guidance changed to, right, everybody should be having 30 grams of fiber or more per day in order to lower all-cause mortality. Well, I'll definitely give those papers a read. And so my last question to you is, where do you think the future lies for dietary fiber and prebiotic research in the field of the gut microbiota? Well, It's hard to not be a bit biased in this because there's areas that I'm very interested in in terms of of research. There's lots and lots of scope for further investigating the way that fiber and prebiotics manipulate the microbiota and how this can be used to our clinical advantage. Personally, I think that investigating the effect of a variety of fibers with a total of 30 grams per day of total fiber intake in people who've got microbial dysbiosis, so some people with IBS or other kind of chronic illnesses, even that could be used in obesity, for example, investigating the effect of this kind of diverse range of fibers totaling 30 grams per day to see whether or not actually doing that can really have this solid impact on microbial diversity and whether that changes things in the long term for the better. That would be really interesting to know that. I also think that there's a lot more for us to investigate and find out about prebiotics and how they might modulate the immune system. So we know that microbes interact with the immune system and we know that fiber is the main dietary factor that can positively influence the microbial community and also activity. So it would be very interesting to further explore how fiber modifications could impact immune mediated conditions both within and outside of the gut. 
And I also think, as I mentioned earlier, that prebiotics may not be quite as specific as we previously thought, so they might not be as targeted as we thought they were, but it would be really interesting as we get to understand more and more about the gut microbiota and any keystone species within the gut microbiota, exploring the kind of functional genome of really important microbes within the gut and seeing if we can identify any kind of unique carbohydrate metabolism pathways in those important species because then fibers could be developed in reverse to really target those species because if we can improve like a keystone species then that can improve the whole ecology of the gut as a whole so it's big cloud thinking but I think that that should be the direction of future research of fiber and prebiotics in human health. Well Dr Bridget Wilson it was so great having you on Microbiome Matters And thank you so much for talking all about prebiotics and dietary fibre and their effects on our gut microbiota. I certainly learned a lot today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and to sign up for future episodes of our Microbiome Matters podcast, go to yakult.co.uk forward slash HCP. (music) 